Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today, I am so delighted. I have Simon Severino here all the way from Vienna, Austria. How are you, Simon? Hey, Wesley, and hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. I love this global digital world that we live in. I am right here in Houston, Texas, and you are all the way across the world, and we still get to have this fantastic conversation. So let me tell you guys a little bit about Simon. He helps agency owners automate 85% of their B2B sales. He is the CEO of Strategy Sprints and host of the top 2.5% podcast called Strategy Sprints. He created the Strategy Sprint method that doubles revenue in 90 days by getting owners out of the weeds. Simon teaches certified strategy sprint coaches to scale agencies better via systems. As a member of the SVBS, Silicon Valley Blockchain Society, he enables cross-stage capital flows and helps minimize execution risk in tech scale startups. His team is trusted by Google, BMW, AbbVue, and hundreds of other teams. He is also a TEDx speaker and has appeared on over 800 podcasts. Wow, I feel like I am in the midst of royalty. So tell us, how did you get started in your career and how did you become this fantastically amazing person that's done so many wonderful things? You know, over 21 years, those are just very little things that compound. I did fall in love with the problem of go-to-market because there is no answer. And so it's intellectually stimulating, it's emotionally stimulating. And I said, I want to do this every day. And that's what I did for 21 years. The way I do it changed because I fired myself from different levels of operations over time. But I'm only doing that thing, helping with go-to-market. And I have specialized on only B2B high-ticket teams. So we only work with consultancies, marketing agencies, PR agencies, UX, UI agencies, financial advisors, high-ticket B2B teams, because they have very specific B2B problems. The length of the sales cycle, people burning out, and hitting sales numbers. Those are the three main things that people need from us, and that's what we have specialized in, in helping with. Awesome. So tell me about young Simon. When Simon was a, a young, a teenager, early 20-year-old, what did he want to be when he grew up? <laughs> I have three kids, and when I see them, they are very different, and I see different aspects of myself in them. When I was young, I was mainly lost. I had no clue, absolutely no clue. I think it took me like 25 years to find out what am I here to do on this planet, actually, because I couldn't pick any of those jobs. I was like, no, 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 makes no sense. No, are you kidding me? And so I had no clue. I had no clue. I just picked something and I went with it. But it took me years, years, years of experimentation, being in the backseat, being in the front row, being in a small team, being in a big team, being solo, being in marketing, being in sales, being in operations. It took me forever to find it. So I was mainly a lost soul, interested in thinking and in reading, but lost in everything else. And with time and with experimentation, I found out that my superpower is psychology, is relating to people, is connecting to them, is connecting them to each other. And then things started falling into place. So many people have challenges like figuring out what their superpower is. And you really honed in on that thing that you really like psychology, right? So what are some things in your career early or even now that shows you this is really what I have been created to do? I love psychology. I love connecting people. What were some things that you found in your past that helped you? 
<laughs> I realized I just always followed my gut feeling, actually. And I was here to serve specific problems. So since I love entrepreneurship, I immersed myself in the world of entrepreneurs. And I basically have been asking, hey, what do you need? And I've been serving the underserved or the less fancy and the less sexy projects and teams just to get started. And from there, and sometimes I was just working for free, just to get testimonials, right? And referrals. And I think it's a good idea, actually, if you're starting out. From there, I then had 10 super fans, 10 testimonials. With 10 testimonials, stuff started to roll and we got into traction. And from traction, traction is when you you get pulled much more than you can deliver. This is when I was the bottleneck. And so I hired the business coach and said, oh my God, business is starting to run and I hate my life. Something is wrong here. And the business coach said, yeah, Simon, you are the bottleneck. Um, we have to remove you from operations. Like, what? I am operations. And he said, no, no, you are not operations. You have a process. That process is working. People are pulling it more from you. Write it down, hand it over. I said, what? And so he basically helped me to delegate. And so I fired myself from operations. And then I had more time to work on the business than in the business. So it freed up 40 hours of my week. And so I had more time to work on sales. Now that I had time to work on sales, I could improve the sales systems, the marketing systems, the starting the first affiliate partner joint ventures, um, innovating my business model. It became a certification model. Now I have I'm certifying people around the globe, like a franchise. So it became more and more scalable. Then I wrote a book. The book is getting translated in Chinese. So from year to year, I could move on to bigger, bigger tasks by delegating some of the tasks that I had found out how to do them. As soon as you find out how to do something, you can actually write it down, hand it over to a software or hand it over to a freelancer. And that was my way. Every year I was handing over something. I absolutely love that. I learned that lesson also the, the hard way in terms of firing myself and realizing like I literally started saying I am the bottleneck. <laughs> I have people that can help me. I have people that are willing and ready and able to learn, but I have to release. Like I cannot hold all of the knowledge in my brain because you can never scale a business that way. And so whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a, the leader of a team, you have to realize that your job is to to release, to delegate, to help other people within the organization really understand the how, the what, the why. And I like the way you did it. You said, okay, I released operations. Okay, then sales and marketing. Then I did this, then I did that. And so when you started out with this method of releasing and delegating, did you have a clear roadmap of what that looked like? How did that go for you? One step was, and that became the strategy sprints method that we share now with our clients. One step was to map out the client success. So how does winning look like from your client's perspective? So those are their needs. They need to decide this. They need to find this and they need to solve this. Map it on one page. And now you have the three most important parts. The first part is marketing. The second one is sales and the third one is operations. Now you flip that page and you know what are the most important team activities because the first part of making them successful is marketing. The second one is sales and the third one is operations. Now you know the most important processes that you have to write down. And when you've written them down, now they become scalable. So that was step one. Think from the client perspective, make their winning journey, map it out on one page, flip it. And now you know what are the 
actually most important activities for your team to be doing and let go of all the rest. Don't do the rest for 90 days. Mm. Do those important things, do them well and write them down, document them so that you can hand them over and you can scale them. You can automate them, you can scale them. What is the advice that you give for people who are like, wait, you just told me to, to only focus on the most important things. What about the other 90% of my day, the other 90% of my job? How does focusing on those most important things, the high conversion activities, the things that are really making impacts in the business, how does that help you long-term? You know, most teams are doing too much. So if you ask me what to do with the rest, enjoy your life. Have friends, have a life have partners, have fun, have kids, have sports, do stuff that's actually, you know, giving you the quality of life that you're looking for. Because entrepreneurs, sometimes they get trapped into the hustle mindset. And that's first, it doesn't work. And second, it's not fun. Do you want to grind your whole life? If you just do marketing, sales and operations well, you can do that with half a day and later on with even less. Then enjoy the rest. And with that energy that will emanate when you come back to a sales call and you come from that place that you were just playing tennis for two hours or whatever you like doing. From that energy, you will sell better. You will be more relaxed. You will have more energy. You will listen better. You will be less tense. And people like to buy from people that are happy because if I give you $20,000, I want to give it to a person that knows how to manage energy. Mm -hmm. They will do more of it if they're happy. And if they're like, I don't want to give them $20,000. They don't know how to manage themselves. How should they manage my money? Yeah. I experienced this recently. Um, a few weeks ago, I had a realization that I literally only had one full business day in my office. And I spent a day with my friend. It was her birthday. So I wanted to celebrate with her. I did an in-person speaking engagement. I traveled out of town to visit family. And I was like, and the business is still running and my phone is not blowing up and my email is not a whole disaster. And so really that relinquishing the control and focusing on the most important activities, it really does generate more profitability. And I think that once people understand that the more you relinquish, the more you teach, the more you delegate, the better, the more efficient, the more profitable your business will be. Yeah, in the end is really mapping out the success path for your clients and taking care of those things and making them better and better and better. We work in 90 days cycles because we have 12 weeks. Each week is one sprint. So 12 times we can optimize one thing. First week we map your value creation out. And then each week we ask which one is the bottleneck. If we improve that, the whole flow gets better. And so usually we ask the question, if you onboard five times more clients, which is the part that breaks first? And usually it's the client delivery. It's onboarding them and delivering the first week. So we go to the first week, we systemize that. And then we ask again the same question, what will break next when you 5X? And then we go to that part and um, systemize that part because when it's a system, now it's repeatable and scalable. The key in any organization, doesn't matter how big or small you are, is process, process, process. Have an organization, have things that are process dependent, not people dependent. Because if you depend on humans to always execute and you're always looking for the top player, the top star, one, you're spending a lot of money in human capital. And two, every time that person turns over or even gets promoted, you're having to recreate the wheel. So systematizing things and people think about systematizing. They're like, do I have to automate my whole business? Do I have to this? Do I have to that? 
So when we talk about that systems, how do we actually create systems that help our business thrive? I like what you just said, because I don't have just Ronaldos and Messis in my team. I have just normal persons like me, right? And so we are not at A level and we are not always at A level, right? So we, I wouldn't expect that from anybody. So it's actually, we don't race to the levels of our goals. We fall to the levels of our systems. And so during the pandemic, during this volatile dynamic months that we had, we were falling to the levels of our systems. So for example, two weeks ago, somebody in my sales team quit. So we had five people doing appointment setting and three people doing closing. So it's eight people in the sales team. And one person quit. So that's a huge part of my team lost, right? And of course, personally, I was sad because whenever somebody quits, they always quit because of the boss yeah. and I am the boss. So <laughs> it was, a, it was a feedback. And so I said, ah, let me go running first. I don't go in this state. Let me digest this before I go into meetings. And so I went for a longer run before I went to the run. I wrote in Slack guys, our colleague left us. We will talk in three hours when this is the meeting, let's brief it, let's handle this. And so I go running, I come back three hours later, I go into the meeting and one of my colleagues says, Simon, I've hired three new salespeople. You are scheduled with them in the afternoon. <laughs> Do you want to meet all the three or just pick one of them? I have selected them from 40 applications that we got on LinkedIn. And I said, wait a moment, Michelle, three hours ago, I informed you about this in Slack. And you talk and you got 40 applications and you have three scheduled in my calendar. How the hell did you do that? Because most people need weeks or months to hire, right? And so she says, what do you mean, Simon? I went to Notion. I clicked hiring system and the rest dropped from there. Mm. I had forgotten because we are entrepreneurs. We build things and then we move on. Yeah. So I forget systems. We build them. We find out how to hire. Yes, it's chapter 12 and chapter 13 of my book, Strategy Sprints. But I don't read my book every day. I forgot <laughs> it. That, that book is six months old. I, to me, it's super old. It's prehistoric. I forget about it. Mm -hmm. But my team, of course, because we have all our processes in Notion in one place, yeah. we can find stuff. And so they had time. They were not emotional like me. I was emotional and I was digesting it. But they were just, okay, where's the system? And again, it's not Ronaldo's and Messi's. It's just normal people, just less emotional. So they go to the system, they find it, they click, they use the swipe copy, they put it on LinkedIn. And of course, people apply from LinkedIn. That is amazing. That is a great um, message and testimonial for us as leaders because we think we have to touch everything. So as you said, this person left and you're like, I am the ultimate leader of the organization. So I may have done something wrong. I am a little bit emotional because I invested in this person. I brought them on and all of this and all that. Whereas your team is able to be like, okay, so we have a hole, let me fill it, right? And having the fact that you have those systems, I know for me, when somebody's like, hey, Wesleyan, there's this thing that I need help with. And I always tell everybody on my team, if it takes you more than five minutes to figure it out, you need to ask somebody because you're wasting time trying to figure out yourself. 
we already have solved this thing. And so what I do, I have, um, because I speak in, in loom, if you will, <laughs> I like to talk. So I have a whole library of videos and I actually just checked. I have like 950 loom videos, which is kind of crazy. And I was like, oh, here it is. Here is this folder. Here are all the steps all lined out. I forgot, like you said, I forgot that I did it and I can't even remember how to do it myself right now because it's been so long. And so as business owners, as leaders, that's what we have to do. The only way we can replicate ourselves is when we're in the moment, when we're doing the thing or a thing, document, document, document. This is so important, especially in tough months, in tough weeks, when stuff happens, like people quit or you have a bad sales month or the market changes because of some geopolitical stuff. That's when you need those systems and you will fall to the level of your systems. So I wish everybody would have 900 videos somewhere <laughs> stored because then at least your team is capable of handling stuff. And that's the resilience. So the subtitle of my book, Strategy Sprints, is 12 ways to grow a business that's agile and resilient. Mm. Because agile means, you know, it can adapt quickly. So person quits on your team. How fast can you hire and onboard the next person? As you say, processes need to be solid. People come and go, yeah. but processes need to be solid. And the other part, so that's agility. How quickly can you onboard new people? Can you react to things coming up? And the other one is resilience. And what is it that makes you really resilient? That de-risks. One is having a full pipeline, always fuller than you need. Mm -hmm. That's why sales is so important. And that's why we specialize on sales training. Also in our consulting in those 90 days, we have 274 modules that teach them and show them how to do things. Also in short videos, Google Docs, spreadsheets, like templates, Yeah. because that's so important. And the other part of resilience is having repeatable processes. Mm -hmm. That's why you need some form of sales method. You don't have to get a specific sales method. There are many good sales methods. But for example, ours is nine steps. From the cold call, from the appointment setting to closing the deal, it's nine things. And you don't move to step four before you have completed step three. Mm -hmm. And now sometimes teams say, oh, but that's rigid. I say, okay, try it in a different way. And then I look at the recording and say, oh, where did you lose the deal? And uh, I skipped step three, Simon, you were right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there is a reason why we have that order. And so we do it again. They do step three correctly. And then step four is falls like a domino. So there are processes and there is a reason why those processes are, are that way. And so the best thing you can have is a full pipeline and a sales method mm. because your team will have the same language. And when you land something, let's say, you implement a new sales method. It's a nine steps of strategy sprint, or it's something different. It's a five steps of an older method. And then you go in there, your whole team does it for two weeks, nothing happens. Third week, boom, you landed 80K. Mm. Now, if you don't have the method, you cannot repeat the 80K because yeah. you don't know actually what was working. Mm -hmm. But if you have that method, you can literally watch the recording and say, oh, I did step three, step four, step five in the right order. And look what I did in step seven. That made them buy. Yeah. So guys, go update the sales script because we found the winning thing for us. We will repeat this. And now you have a sales win. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's just a lucky punch. But this is a sales win because it's repeatable. Yeah. A proven and repeatable sales process. <laughs> One of the, the veins of my existence that I try to, as you said, sometimes top performing salespeople are like, well, I don't do it like that. I don't want to do it like that. Do I have to? 
and they don't realize they they do achieve a lot of success but the way i explain it to them and to well usually to their managers i'm like yeah they're doing really good in this one little area but if you take them and put them in a completely different area new product line new customers new prospects new targets they would completely fall on their face because they don't have that process they're just very relationship driven and so they've been cultivating and developing for a long time which is not a problem however if you want them to get more market share if you want them to have a higher close rate have them following systems, have them documenting things, have them really moving lockstep with what you want them to do. Totally. We install two main meetings per week. One is the pipeline meeting and one is the deal review. In the pipeline meeting, and I'm shocked by how many teams don't have a pipeline meeting. In the pipeline meeting, there is only five questions. And is each person says, what opportunities did I create this week? What's the volume? What's the probability? And what's the agreed next step with the prospect? And everybody does that, mm. even operations, even marketing. By doing that, you create a culture of opportunity creation, a culture of prospecting. Because why should operations don't do prospecting? They are seeing the current clients all the time. Why shouldn't they ask the current clients, hey, who else needs this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're asking anyways all the time, what else do you need? Why don't they just add one question and who else needs this? Mm -hmm. And they are doing sales. Absolutely. Like that is literally a question. It's like, who is one per just one person? Don't give me 10. Don't give me 15. Just one person. And if you ask somebody to think about one person, it's easy to hone in on a person, a company, a colleague, a somebody who you have tapped into that needs the same type of solution that we've given you. And having that referral network from your existing clients, they're already your raving fans. Why not tap into that? Yeah. And the second meeting per week is the deal review. In the deal review, we go through those nine steps and we do a sales role play and we play it from different angles. We just did it today in our team. And so we do it with the appointment setters and I play somebody who's grumpy. I'm going to the grocery store with my two little kids and they are calling me right now. And so I get, no, I don't have time. And they have to dance around that. How will they handle this? Will they try to stay in the conversation? Will they reschedule? How do you reschedule with somebody who doesn't have their hands free? Mm. But those are the actual challenges in the appointment setting, in the cold call. And so we play that a couple rounds. And in the end, I always play a very relaxed person who is just at their desk because, you know, in the end they get their win. And then we go, all right, you booked me. And then we move on to the closers. Now, okay, now we're closing a big deal. Let's go to the actual deals. We don't um, role play fantasy deals. With the closers, we do real the current deals. Mm -hmm. So in which stage are you? Oh, I'm in seven. All right. What's your plan for eight? Are you ready? Show me what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to play the client? And then one of us plays the client, one of us observes, and then we swap roles. And that is super important because you learn objection handling, you get more natural, and then you put in some curve bolts and everybody learns. Mm -hmm. And the energy after that is always at peak. And we always finish with like, oh my God, can we stop the meeting and just go sell stuff? Because I'm on right now. I want to get out and chigging, chigging. Can we go chigging? Can we stop this meeting? And they go, okay, okay, let's stop the meeting. Let's go chigging, let's go chigging. And then it's, whoosh, we're gone. <laughs> That's so good. I love telling teams like, 
Stop practicing on your prospects. Like, let's practice at home. <laughs> like, use the time in your team meetings because a lot of times these sales team meetings, it's just they throw up the CRM and they're going bit by bit by bit. There's no structure. There's no role playing. There's no development. There's nothing. And so the salespeople are over here working on the computer or on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever, and they're not getting anything from the meeting. But when you have a meeting structured the way that you did, everybody gets something from it. One of the questions that I love to ask my guests is share an experience personally or professionally that has impacted the way that you lead. Oh, there are many. And one related to sales role plays has been like 20 years ago when I was, I wasn't even in sales, I was a psychotherapist in my first career. And I remember I had a very old supervisor. He was like 80 at that time, but he was a guru. He was the mentor of my mentors. And so he flies to Vienna and has a day with us. And everybody's super nervous because we have to present our cases, our work. And, you know, he will pick it apart or something like that. And so young Simon, fearless, he goes, who wants to present a case? I go, yeah, me. And so I present a case. And this guy, 80 years old and the most feared supervisor, he starts playing my client. So he says, Simon, I'm now playing your client. I said, you're playing my client? Okay, who do I play? You play me. Wow. And so he started role-playing. Mm -hmm. And that was so much fun. <laughs> and he also, he picked apart everything that I was doing. And he gave me completely new ideas and techniques, etc. But it was playful. And it was in front of a whole group. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh my God. Well, first, it's fun. Second, it was such a teaching. And third... You can pick apart people in front of a whole group without lowering their confidence. Yeah. He raised my confidence by mm. criticizing me in public because it was playful. It wasn't me. We were playing. And that changed everything. And up to today, that's now 20 years later, today I was doing basically that with my sales team and still playing around different roles. And so that has been very influential. Mm, that's so good. Those lessons we learn in our early career about how to lead how to to do things that so 20 years ago i bet you didn't think that you would be role-playing with the sales team with your own company but you're like man i really like this and you keep doing it and you get better and you iterate and then you make it your own those lessons in leadership are what make us excellent at the way that we show up today so Tell us, what is the one best way that people can get in contact with you or your company if they want to learn more? I wrote a book. It's called Strategies Prints. People can get that on Amazon. And also the single tools that I've shared, like the nine steps of the sales, is that many of those things people can download on our website. So if they go to strategiesprints.com, many of the tools, they're open source. They can download them, play with them, and that might already help a lot. And if they want to go deeper and say, no, 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 let me see how a role play looks like with these guys. I want to experience that. Then they go to strategiesprints.com. They click something, jump on our calendar, and then we can play. Awesome. Oh, I love it. Like if you want to play, you just get to play. And I would encourage everyone to do that because... Being in the, on the other side of the island, if you will, it's really good to practice those skills. So practicing those skills and getting live feedback and coaching on how you can develop and get better. I love that. Well, Simon, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your time and your talent and your expertise. 
Thank you for showing up for your community with this consistency and holding the space for very relevant conversations. Keep rolling. Thank you so much. It has been my pleasure and I love doing it. Alrighty. So that was another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Remember, in all that you do every day, strive to be 1% better than yesterday. Until next time.